Hi, all. You're listening to Get Centered, a podcast of the Center for Individuals with Physical Challenges. We are here today at the BART Center for Music Recording Studio in downtown Tulsa, and I am your host, Wendy Fralick. I'm the executive director of the center. And today we have our guest, Rennie. Rennie has been a member of the center for more than eight years, and we are so delighted to have you with us today, Rennie. Well, thank you. It's uh, it's honored to be asked. This is really cool. Thanks. Well, I love having you here. And we were just saying how you're a beloved member of the center. Tell me how you became aware of the center and how you became a member. Well, for the past 21 years, I've worked part-time for Weight Watchers. And one of the members who goes to the center came to me and said, asking me if I'd ever heard of the center. And I had never heard of it. And she said, you really might enjoy going to it. So I went and visited and did all the things that I needed to do to become a member. I just fell in love with it the moment I went in. It was just a welcoming place, very affirming, and I just felt like I was home. So in order to be a member at the center, you have to have a physical challenge. Do you mind telling us about your physical challenge? Absolutely. Getting out of bed is a physical challenge, but I think what you want to hear probably is the actual physical challenge is it's cerebral palsy. And that's something that I was never too familiar with. And I think, I don't think I had a formal diagnosis of that. It was just something happened at birth that was, they caused a loss of oxygen to the brain that resulted in the left side of my body being challenged. And so, yeah, so that's, that's how I was able to get my in into the center. (laughs) You're in. (laughs) Yeah, you have to have an in, yeah. My people got together with your people, and here I am today. It's great. (laughs) This is why we love you, Rennie. This is exactly why we love you, because you're always bringing comedic joy to those that are around you. But let's talk about what did cerebral palsy look like for you as you've been, you know, growing up and as it impacts you today? You know, growing up, I really didn't notice it that much, honestly. And but when I became an adult, my sister, regaled me several stories, and I've learned through her that when I was two years old, doctors told my parents that I would never walk or speak. And the most, the most kind thing for them to do for me and for the other members of the family was to institutionalize me. Well, that's what they did in the 50s. And so, but I honestly don't know if it's because we didn't have the money or what, but or it's just that old Oklahoma spirit that my folks had that, no, that's not going to happen. They worked with me. It's just amazing that I really didn't realize. I knew things were a little bit different with me, but I did everything that I was, you know, that everybody else did and uh, was just happy to do it. And I just always wanted to make my parents proud of me. So whatever the, whatever challenge they put before me, I tried to meet. So, And so you you walk. Right. I walk. I try to get at least 10,000 steps a day. I'm, in fact, right now I'm on a 153-day streak of doing that. And so I'm obsessed, you know, keeping that streak up. And of course, as you can tell, I talk. The challenge is they never told my parents once I started talking that I would ever stop. <laughs> but I do sometimes. But I do talk in my sleep, though, I think. And you talk about how great your parents were. Oh, the Best. Tell me more about that. Absolutely best. Um, I remember when we moved from Tulsa to Fayetteville when I was about four, four and a half, five years old, my mother had to work and she got a job at a radio station. And 
I, at that point, already knew how to read. I knew my, my multiplication tables through 12. I was, once again, a very much overachiever, but you can understand what I said. Well, my niece was very uh, strained. And so she uh, said, if you get to where you can, we can understand what you're saying clearly, I will put you on the radio and you can do commercials with me. And so that's what we did. And I absolutely loved it. But I've got to tell you a funny story. I guess I was in first grade or something, first or second grade, and I was talking, imagine that. And the teacher said, Rennie, do you want to stay after school? And I said, I'd like to, but I've got to make commercial this afternoon, but maybe I can stay tomorrow. <laughs> well, my my mother got wind of that story, and uh, needless to say, I didn't sit down for a week. Yeah, I, I got into trouble for that, and my radio career was pretty short-lived after that. But then I wore this leg brace, and back in the day, leg braces were very, very heavy. They weren't, they weren't lightweight like they are now. The leg brace weighed almost as much as I did. And my dad went down and got me a paper route. And I was too young for a paper route, but the, he explained that he wanted to make my leg get stronger and what have you. And so I started throwing papers with a 40-pound brace on my leg. And Fayetteville is a very hilly town, and I threw about 80 papers. And I, I wrapped them with one hand, limped out, and threw them. It took me forever, and I did that for quite a while. But like I said, but what was so impactful, I think, is that, like I said, I didn't realize I didn't have anything that much different. When I was in fifth grade, my uh, grandmother moved in with us because my grandfather had passed away, and she brought with her her upright grand piano. And I started pecking around on the piano, and um, I thought, how neat would it be to be able to play the piano? And so I asked my mom. She wanted to know what I wanted for my birthday. And I said, well, I want to take piano lessons. And I found this out much later. My mother couldn't find a piano teacher because no one would teach me. And the way I found that was is that I fell in love with my piano teacher. She was about eight years older than I was, so she was about 20. I found her after 40-some-odd years. She'd gotten married a couple of times, what have you. And I, I finally tracked her down because I'm so indebted to her. I love to play the piano. It, it soothes me. It it sitters me like the sitter. And anyway, it's it's it was just wonderful. And I found her. And what is so cool, she's still alive. And she's in Topeka, Kansas. And she told me that Mother called her practically in tears because she said, no one will teach him. If you will just show him the the basics of it, he'll figure out a way to do it, which I guess I did. But anyway, we have lunch. My piano teacher and I have lunch. I drive up to Topeka on, a, on October the 11th of every year because that's the anniversary of my first piano lesson. Oh my anyway, it's, it's just miraculous. And on a side note, I got pretty good pretty fast, and I actually taught piano in high school and college. <laughs> so you talk about teachers not wanting to teach you piano, and... I can see your left hand, and your left hand has a challenge. So yeah. was was your left hand always what it looks like? And how would you describe the challenge with your left hand? <laughs> the funny thing is, is that a lot of times I'll start to do something, and it's I think, oh, my gosh, that takes full use of both hands. I have limited use of my my index finger and my thumb. And I can do some light gripping, but
but it's not very strong and I don't have any dexterity. So when I play the piano, it's mostly with my index finger and it's a straight up and down striking of the key, not a like a more traditional plane of the keys like you would if you had full use of your hand. And your wrist looks like it's at a 90 degree angle. Yes, yes, yes. And I've heard you play piano, and it's amazing. You would never know that you have a physical challenge with your hand. And this is why I pay Wendy forty nine ninety five a month to say these wonderful things. Seriously, you're too not kind. how much I get paid, but but you know I really enjoy it. And in retrospect, I find anything that I want to do, I will figure out a way to do. But if there's something I don't want to do, I can use the challenge as an excuse not to do it. I play the piano. <laughs> so you, you can do this both ways. Is that what yeah, you're saying, exactly, Ronnie? <laughs> exactly. I can play the piano, but I can't iron a shirt. <laughs> um, but you can't or by choice? <laughs> you know, the challenge. Wendy, it's the challenge. So we, so we use this term, right? At the center, we are the yeah. center for individuals with physical challenges. Yes. Uh-huh. Does that resonate with you? Do you feel like you are physically challenged? Sometimes I do. Sometimes yes, sometimes I do. And, you know, everybody, I, I, I can't say everybody because I don't know everybody. For me, sometimes I get down about it, honestly. But immediately, or almost immediately, I start remembering how grateful that I am, that I do walk and I do speak and... I'm able to interact and I can make people laugh yeah. and it's it's I'm just so wonderfully blessed through it all. Yes. And I I'm, I'm thankful for the challenge actually because I think the challenge has helped mold me into the person that I am today. I think I think my mother used to say without this you would be impossible to live with. <laughs> So it has. You need this, what, to temper you? Yes, exactly. She's, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. So are your parents still living? No, no, no. I, my mother has been gone for about 26 years. My dad's been gone about 23 years. My brother's been gone about 30 years. And my sister's been gone about, so 22 years. So I'm the last man standing, so. And with cerebral palsy, yeah. living independently, yeah. you have a very full life. Oh, From my perspective. Oh, the best. The and best. that has to be somewhat of miraculous, going back to a word I think you used earlier, because they were going to put you in well, an that's, institution. That's what doctors said. Yes, yes. That's fascinating to yeah. me. But once again, you're looking at 1956, 1957, and the whole world was completely different. We had to go, we, my folks had to go to the superintendent of schools when I started first grade because they weren't going to let me go to public school. And so I interviewed with the superintendent and then the principal. And by that time, I was speaking pretty well because I was doing commercials and I was somewhat a little poised. I was a 40-year-old, six-year-old, actually, is what it was. <laughs> And so I assured them that if I dropped my lunch, I would have an extra quarter for my lunch. I would carry my own tray and I would clean up my own mess. But lunches back then were a quarter, school lunches, of course. So that tells you how long ago. (laughs) So talk about you now being a member of the center and what you do at the center. Like, why do you go? Well, vanity. 
pure vanity. And it's great. It's I go to the center mostly for the fitness, the fitness center. I'm threatening to do some art there and I could learn more about it. It's just it's just a place where you can go and expand and explore. As a man of certain age, things are starting to go south. And so I want to exercise and keep things toned and strong. I'm very active. I'll be 67 in November. and uh, I did not know that, Rennie. Yeah, yeah, 67. Proud Social Security holder. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I worked for the phone company for 33 years. I've worked for Weight Watchers now, part-time, 22 years. Those aren't separate. I've worked for Weight Watchers and the phone company for some t- at the same time. So, yeah, so, yeah. But the center, it's just, the possibilities are endless there. And I'm so thankful for the center. And I was also, before COVID, I was a member of another gym and the center. And then COVID happened and it, everything closed down. And I was so surprised in the time the center was closed, how much muscle tone that I had lost. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as, as I was able, I was able to go there. I went to the other gym, but was not impressed with them keeping things clean and with the pre- protocol. So I, I stopped going to that other gym completely because I just didn't feel safe. And the center is one of the few safe places that I feel body, mind, and spirit. It's just a beautiful place. I can't say enough good things about it. I appreciate that. And, you know, we we talked about for months about what those protocols were going to look like. You know, we came back after uh, closing down for four months. We came back to mask protocols, physical distancing protocols, cleanliness protocols, making sure that everything was wiped down and things weren't being touched by multiple people. I mean, we had a plethora of protocols in place to keep people safe. And you saying that it was one of the one of the only places that I really felt safe. We heard that across the board from our members. Oh. And it was so important to us. Other places I would hear, we're doing this, we're doing this. When I was at the center, I witnessed it. You could see it. You could see us really taking it seriously because staff wanted to keep themselves safe, but more, we had members to keep safe, right? It was really important to us. A a lot of us are more susceptible than the GQ public. So talk about that. Talk about having cerebral palsy and what that means in terms of being more susceptible to other illnesses. Well, you're not you're not as active. You're, I don't know exactly the wherewithal, how this affects internally. I can see it ex- externally, but I do know that, I don't know if it's because one lung might be, could be possibly smaller than the other, that I have to be very con- conscious if I catch a cold, not to let it go down into my chest because it seems to take forever to get rid of. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I do play one on TV, but but seriously, I don't know exactly how that makes me more susceptible. But I I do I do am I'm aware of what I can do and what I can't do. And we certainly, as the staff at the center, not only in keeping everyone safe during COVID, we've been open for two years since COVID started, so that's a huge win for us. But I think just knowing that we do have members who have these challenges, using that word, and that 
they can then be more susceptible to having illness. And it's been really important to us to make sure that we are not negatively impacting the health and wellness of our members when that our whole goal is to improve the health and wellness of our members. So I think that's extremely important. So you go to the center, you walk the halls, talk yes. about getting your steps. Yes, I tell people I'm taking hall from hall pass. <laughs> no one has a hall pass, but that's okay. No one has a hall pass. You are in the fitness center using the equipment. Do you need any adaptive equipment for what you do, or can you use things the way they are? The only thing that I use adaptive, and I kind of did this myself, is one of the machines, the pull-down, it irritates my, the palm of my left hand, so I just wrap a cloth around it so it doesn't create friction on my palm. But no, everything else, I, I, I don't need any type of adaptive. Which, again, is amazing because just talking about cerebral palsy, we have members who are in wheelchairs. Yes. Have, so the gamut, the spread, yeah. right, of what cerebral palsy can look like. My, right. My case is very, very mild. Very, very mild. Right. It can look like people in wheelchairs. It can be people who can't speak. It can, it can be, you know. People who can't live independently. Exactly. So you're... Your demonstration of what it can look like, as you said, is mild comparatively to what some people mm -hmm. face having this physical challenge. Yeah, and I, I always want to caution people, not only, I guess mainly at Weight Watchers, don't compare yourself with other people, right? That is, that is a sure way to get you down. You know, focus on you, on your strengths, and the ways that you can make you better. That's my goal, to be just a little bit better today than I was yesterday. I don't know how that's possible, but oh. if that's your goal, I that's appreciate it. But I don't know how it's possible, <laughs> Renny. Oh. So as we wrap up for today, tell me how you get centered at the center. How do you achieve the mission that we try to employ every day? How do you feel like you get better every day? How do you get centered at the center? I get, I get stronger physically in the workout center. And while I'm doing that, I am also doing mindset things, being grateful, being thankful and trying to find the good in everything that I see. There's, everything isn't good, but there's good in everything, and I try to do that. So that keeps, keeps me grounded and centered. And once again, when I'm walking, it's, it's like I don't, I don't regret or dread walking. And when people say, well, I, I, I don't like you know, walking or anything, you know what? You can walk. You're able to walk. And so with each step, it's like, thank you. I'm able to do this. Be grateful. Yes. Right. So that's, Ready. that keeps me centered. And I certainly, you know, we are just so grateful that you're a member at the center. We're so grateful that we get to be a part of your life. I hope you know that we feel that way. Oh. And we just are so grateful that you would be a part of Get Centered. So thank you so much for being here today and, and sharing your story. Thank you again. Like I said, it's been a real honor. I appreciate it. Thanks, Rennie. Rennie, knowing how fabulous you are at playing the piano, would you mind playing something for us? Well, sure. <laughs> Let's go take a seat and get you started. All righty. <laughs> 